0: And the gospel for this week is from Luke chapter 14, 22 to 35?
1: 25
0: to 32? 25
1: to 32? I think it's 25
0: to 33. Oh, so close.
1: If I'm remembering correctly. And since I marked it in my Bible to read it, I think I might be right. Okay,
0: okay, I'm just going to say that again. Let let's see. let Yeah, got it. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. Your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I am the minister of formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego.
1: And I am Charlotte Pressler, and I am the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego.
0: And we usually have with us um, Maya Little Sonia, who is the uh, Youth Minister for St. Paul's Cathedral in San Diego. But she has a scheduling conflict today, so she's not with with us on the podcast. With us in spirit, as always. Yes,
1: and missed in physical presence.
0: Very, very much missed. Um, but I'm sure she's having a great day wherever she is, and, uh, and I'm sure she's going to listen to this podcast. You know, she's got to know what, what we talked about. Um, but we will have a, don't worry, we will have a third point for Maya today, uh, and Charlotte and I are going to make it work. So um, thanks, everybody, uh, again, for tuning in. Uh, this week, we are in the week of Sunday, September 8th which is proper 18 in year C, for those keeping track with their uh, liturgical calendars, uh, still in the Gospel of Luke. Um, but before we get to the Gospel today, we are going to check in about our faith to go Instagram poll that we put up last week, which was based actually uh, not on the, gosp- the Gospel we talked about last Sunday, but the Sunday before, which was Jesus healing the woman who had been Uh, Bent over and physically ill for 18 years on the Sabbath. And so uh, we talked about the gospel, or I put up a portion of the gospel and asked the question based on the story, what must come first, healing or freedom? And I was, uh, we talked on the podcast about, you know, Jesus talking about like freedom from oppression and bondage. Um, being kind of the metaphorical sense of the story, not just necessarily physical healing, but physical well being and freedom, emotional and spiritual freedom from oppression and so my question was based on the story, what must come first, healing or freedom, and the winner just barely it was very it was almost fifty fifty but it was sixty forty for freedom over healing, but it was really, really close um and I asked the question that way because it says in the story that she was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When he saw her, he called her over and said, woman, you are set free from your ailment, which I was interpreting as freedom first. And then when when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. And that was, like, to me, the physical healing. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I was just thinking about, you know, in terms of thinking about it, like in that kind of metaphorical social justice context. Uh, that's well, that and was my I question. Also think that was the healing it could go
1: with the freedom component being almost the mental healing, uh-huh. knowing that someone has seen you and is offering you this visibility and healing that is then followed by the actual physical healing. So freedom. Setting your mind at peace,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then healing, curing what ails you. I, I think yeah. that there's a lot of ways that we could look at what freedom and healing mean. Right,
0: and I was I also was thinking about it in terms of like right now, uh, in terms of racial reconciliation, especially in our in the United States, but you know, generally around the world, all those kinds of racial and, and cultural reconciliations. There's a lot of, I, I think that. That both freedom and healing are important components, but to me, it's like if we're gonna if we're gonna put off freedom from oppression until we've all healed, then it's just kind of like doing the very thing that Jesus is trying to ask us not to do, which is delaying freedom. Mm-hmm. Because the healing process and the reconciliation process that is like lifelong. That's that's gonna go on forever and ever and ever. But there are like there are like real. Real things, real actions to be taken that can lead to more and more freedom and just and equitable societies. But again, that's not to say that they don't go hand in hand with the healing, because like hearts and minds need to be need to be healed and changed, uh, especially from those for those in positions of power and privilege in in, a, in our country, especially before mm-hmm. you know along the way while both happen, but. Um, so yeah, so thank you everybody who voted in the poll If you didn't vote in the poll We would love for you to vote in the poll this week uh, You can also We want to hear from you So if you have any questions or comments or stories From your week of faith discussion You can either direct message us through Instagram uh, You can also uh, contact us At faith 2 at stpalcathedral.org. Or you can go to the website and contact us through the website. You can also subscribe to the website, and then you'll get a, an email notification every time we post our Faith to Go resources. And if you're a subscriber and a member, you can comment uh, on those posts. Uh, so, uh, like every week, all of our Faith to Go resources are based on the gospel. You can find them all at www.myfaithtogo.org. So, the gospel for this week is Luke. 14, 25 to 33, and Charlotte is going to read it, and then we are each going to share a point from the gospel, and then collaborate on the third point, which will be Maya's point. So, uh, Charlotte will read it, and then we'll get into it.
1: Excellent. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with 10,000, to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore... None of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions.
0: All right. Jesus is bringing the heat this week. Uh, this is a tough one. So we're going to take uh, as much time as we need to digest this gospel. But uh, whenever Jesus is, is using words like hate, especially with uh, members of the family, uh, talking about war and fighting and things like that, uh, it's challenging, but um, we are going to process it all and figure out uh, what jesus is what kind of larger picture Jesus is calling us to with his words today. So in terms of where we are in the gospel we've we 've really just been going one <clears throat> sequentially through the middle of luke's gospel uh, over the summer here so uh, I have the first point. And I want to talk about this first verse of this, uh, of this gospel. Um, let's see. Now large crowds were traveling with him, with Jesus. And he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Um, this is a hard verse to hear and to read. And to think about for me. And I think it is for a lot of people. Uh, It just... And I think it's because this is the same Jesus who in other places said, love your enemy. Love Mm -hmm. your neighbor. Love God. Love yourself. Mm -hmm. And then here we hear Jesus talking about hating people. (laughs) So um, so what, what... what is the what is Jesus really talking about then? If if we can if we can if we can assume, that, if we can assume that we can put the, those various uh, parts of Scripture in in dialogue with one another, if we can assume that Jesus, the same Jesus who has asked us to love all these various people, if we can assume that Jesus isn't asking us to do the opposite thing of loving. Then what can what is Jesus asking us to do what is he trying to highlight so what I what the word in Greek uh, the connotation of this word in Greek has this um, this feeling of not necessarily hating as in not loving but but hating in as in loving thing loving one thing more than in comparison to another thing, or really loving one thing less in comparison to another thing. So, rather than Jesus saying that he actually wants us to actively hate people, uh, actively hate especially those people that are that are closest to us, um, potentially, our family members, though not, not to say that everyone's family, everyone is very close with their family, um, I think he's using that metaphor of family as the place where we get our first sense of identity. Um, to me, Jesus is saying that as long as we love that individual identity, that first identity, we won't we will not be able to to live into. The larger identity that we have as children and and family members of God's family, so that it's not that we are living outside of God's love and embrace, that we are not part of God's family if we if we love that identity, but that that identity isn't the ultimate identity that we are called to live into, or in this case, to die into, because Jesus is asking us to kind of let go of that that first identity that isn't necessarily false, but is just kind of a shadow of what is real, of what is truly there. Just as I think our families are kind of a reflection and a, and a, and a shadow of the, the fuller human family or family of creation that, that we are invited to live into all the time. So it's not so much that one is good and one is bad, but that Jesus is saying, as long as we are holding on to, are putting all of our resources into bolstering this small, individual, separate identity from, from everyone else, we won't be able to live into that fuller identity that we have in God, which is our real, truest identity.
1: Yeah. So, well, then I guess that that would then fall for point two, which is mine. And I'm going to stick right here at the beginning where you were but I'm going to come at it from a little bit of a different angle because I the first thing I want to talk about is right in verse 25 the first thing we hear is now large crowds were traveling with him and if we think back to our discussion from last week last week we were having a conversation about a small group that Jesus is with um, he's at a dinner party or luncheon and he's talking to them about what it means to make room at the table and for each other and who's invited In this small group setting, and now in this week, we have this large crowd that is traveling with him. And I think that one of the things that I notice in that, and the reason why I think that Jesus responds the way he is, is because it's as though he has this large group of fans that is following along behind him hanging on every word, wanting to hear about what's next and living into the good news. Um, But as part of that good news, he needs to say to them that the good news is hard and that what is being asked of him and of everyone who follows him carries this really high price tag and that it's going to be fraught with pain and Worry and challenges, and that if you're going to follow him, that means that you're signing up for all of those things because he has signed up for all of those things with us. And then we hear him say that in verse 27, which is, Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So it's not just about listening to his words, it's about walking the talk, and that Jesus expects that of every single person that follows him. And I think it really sets almost a tone for what is to come, and that that is just that the road is going to get continually harder, and how that applies to our lives now also means that we have to accept the fact that it isn't always going to be a good gospel that's easy to talk about, and that sometimes we have to have these harder gospels that we live into and remind us that the road of being a follower of Christ is hard, and it is about doing that hard work um, and really hearing what the message is in our everyday lives.
0: Jesus is is sharing something that is good news, but it's not easy news, you know, Mm -hmm. and and there's a difference, but one does not mean the other. That, that good news doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, that it's going to be without pain and frustration and challenges. And that's, I mean, what Jesus, what Jesus is saying is not like, Jesus is being very clear and saying that I am, Jesus is not the, the substitute uh, the substitute walker of this path that he is walking himself. He's not going and doing it for everybody else. He says, "Whoever does not, whoever like." He's talking about people taking up their cross and coming after him. Mm-hmm. That, like, what he does, we're gonna have to do. Yeah, right, the work's not done. Right there's there's a there is a lot of work to do, and that work is hard, and it's it, it takes our whole life. And that's why he's saying that's why he's using such strong, um, what seem like kind of parabolic terms and metaphors for this whole thing you know it's like a huge war is one of the illustrations you know and and building this giant tower by yourself and uh and and hating your the people that you are that really the 10 commandments call us to honor and love the most you know Mm -hmm. uh he's he's trying to get our attention Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and so that's I think that gets us to the third point, which is about these two. Um, it's about these two illustrations that he uses um, for for this for the crowd and and to illustrate his point. And so, what he's I think what he's doing is ha- is using these two illustrations. One is building the tower, and the other is fighting in a war. <laughs> to like to get across to illustrate what what the invitation he's extending to them to follow him actually looks like and what it entails so so that first it is the first the first metaphor about building a tower is interesting because a, this tower he's talking about is like a fortified structure that might be on like a castle or some some large structure that would help you see beyond the walls of your city. Something that, that would help in your defenses, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what he's saying is that it's like a person sets out to build a tower without taking stock of where their resources are and then realizes once their resources are gone that they don't have enough to finish. And so now not only do you not have the tower, but you also don't have any of the resources because you've literally sunk them into the foundation that you can't build anything on. And so I think the first first part is about recognizing where our resources lie. And uh, and that gets back to the the family thing about the identity. Is all of our energy going towards bolstering this identity that in the end is not our truest one? Because if so, if we keep trying to hold on to that, uh, as well as follow Jesus, those two things can't work. Because he's calling us, one calls us, he calls us away from one identity towards another. And so we can't have both. So if we hold on to both, we're going to be like this person building the tower, where we're going to have an idea for what we want, but we won't actually have the, the spiritual resources to get there. Because Jesus is asking us, Jesus is asking us to, to really die to a, one sense of self, to live into a greater one. And Mm -hmm. then the second one about the war is interesting because the 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 one way I think of reading the Greek is what's translated here, which is which sounds very active. It's going out to wage war against one one king, going out to wage war against another king. But wage war, I think, is is a little bit uh, misleading because uh, what it's actually saying is when you uh, one king going out to engage. Going forward to engage in against a in war against a king that is coming towards them, so that it's not necessarily being the the antagonist uh, and going out and starting war. It's actually more about again defending yourself and the way that you that you ultimately achieve the peace that you want. And in this case, it's to give up. It's to surrender. So it's a of king going out and surrendering, knowing that that there is not that the like physical resources that they need are not enough to defeat the enemy. So that real that so that the victory here is in surrendering. Which is a, right. which and I is think what that, Jesus is gonna model. Right. Ultimately. And I
1: think that also as part of that, it's how we choose to wage the war. So this surrender Is definitely a piece of it, but I also think that in all of the teachings that we see that come from Jesus, he talks over and over again about how we love each other, how we love God, how we love our neighbors, and that the greater way in which we wage this war is by loving those that are hardest for us to love, Um, that it doesn't come by wielding a spear, but it comes through loving each other, that we're able to conquer what it is that needs to be, and that that conquering can look like surrender and can look like peace mm-hmm. when we come together, but it is only when we come at it not with weapons in hand, but from a place of love and love can be hard and love can be difficult and love requires a tremendous amount from us. But that the way in which we're called to this war and how we wage it successfully is through this deep and abiding love that God has for us and that we are called to share with the world.
0: Yeah. Uh, Okay. So that's three points, three points. Um, Number one point was mine. And it was about this first verse about hating Uh, family and friends and children and wives and things, spouses. Um, And the way that that Jesus is not necessarily calling us to hate people, but to try to call us and invite us to a deeper identity than the one that we construct uh, through relationship with others, that we are called to something deeper an identity that's deeper than the identity that we have in other people's eyes. And that's the identity that we have in God's eyes and the, the way that we were created to be. Number two was Charlotte's, and it was about the price of this journey that Jesus is calling us on. Uh, the, that price of finding that deeper identity. That is not, it is good news, but it's not easy. And it's going to require a great amount of our spiritual and emotional resources in order to do. And then number three kind of follows from both of those, uh, about those two illustrations at the end. Uh, and that the way that Jesus is calling us to do this is, number one, to take stock of where our those emotional and spiritual resources lie and where our, uh, where our intentions are as well as to recognize that there is a kind of countercultural upside-down way that Jesus is calling us to go about doing this work in the world, which is a kind of nonviolent, surrendering, yet active pursuit of, of peace and truth and love. Mm-hmm. So uh, having heard that conversation... Charlotte is going to read the gospel one more time and see if you hear anything different this time through. Luke chapter
1: 14, verses 25 to 33. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me Cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost, to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000, to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions.
0: All right, thanks everybody for tuning in this week, the week of September 8th, proper 18 in year C. Uh, thank you for uh, being part of this week's Faith to Go podcast. Uh, make sure to send us any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussions. You can uh, do that through. Uh, Instagram, uh, at faith to go where you can um, make sure to vote in our weekly polls and follow our feed, where we post a lot of uh, helpful content for your week of, of reflection. Uh, you can contact us through the website, where you can also find all those faith to go resources, www.myfaith2go.org, and you can email us directly, faith to go at stpaulcathedral.org. And make sure to go rate and review this podcast. Also... Uh, interesting note we are now available on Stitcher which is another podcast hosting app Uh, you can download that from your phone uh, or you can find it online Uh, and until next week we say goodbye goodbye everyone
1: bye everyone